Recently, I've been meditating on the Lord's Prayer, and I was thinking about uh, one verse that is in the prayer, is thy will, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And what is his will? Um, I know, Gerald, you like to have a title, so there you go. <laughs> Thy will, God's will, and his will be done. And looking at the word will, it's desire or pleasure, what God wishes or has determined shall be done. It includes the purpose of God to bless mankind through Christ and also that God's wishes to be done by us such as he commands or precepts. And if you look up the word in the Greek, how it was written in the Greek and then translated in English, it would read like this, let be done thy will. And we know that with God, his will will be done. So when we pray that, what is going through our minds? Thy will be done. You know, it's basically saying, I think, that Lord, you're in charge, and the things that happen in life is your will. You know, you look at the, the, the last year, and you look at maybe the, how things are shaping up for the next year, you would say, as a Christian, we can say, thy will is being done. So I can rest in that and not be showing a lot of anxiety. God will show us his will, which he has through the scripture, and he will accomplish it. And lots of times he uses us to, to do that and uses people to accomplish his will. So we can ask, what is the will of God? In Romans, I think due to lack of time, I may just not turn to all the scripture. So I'm just going to refer, and if you're taking notes, so I, you can go ahead and, and um, write the verse down. But in Romans 15, 9, it says, That the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. And that is one of God's will is that we glorify him as God, as the Lord of our life. And we have so much to be thankful for. If we go to 1 Thessalonians 4, you can turn to that. There's a couple, three verses here, four verses that what God desires for us as Christians, what is more than just glorifying him, First 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3 and 7. It says, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in lust of the cubicence, even as the Gentiles which know not God, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any manner, because that the brother is the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testified. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. 
So one of the things that God does require for us or desire of us in his will, fulfilling his will, is to live a life of purity, to live a life of holiness, and to live a life not defrauding or taking advantage of your brother. And that is done through... Um, just slipped out out of my mind (laughs) sorry but covetousness so often we we covet other people and we we strive to try to keep up with the with our neighbors and so on and we lose the focus of what God has given to us and along with that fornication it also would use the word of worshiping idols and sometimes we can find ourselves worshiping things of this earth than we do God. Another of filling God's will is found in Ephesians chapter 6. And this is uh, in the content of children obeying your parents. And then he goes into the servants being obedient to them that are your masters. Uh, Verse 5, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of heart, as unto Christ, not with eye service, as men's pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. So it is God's desire for us, it's his will for us to be under our authorities and to be obedient to that. And I, I wonder at times this, uh, or first of all, he said that you do it with, not with eye service, so you don't be obedient when people are watching, but you're obedient to your parents when your parents are away. You're, you're obedient to your masters when your master is off in another country. And I often wonder, why does God stress that so much in Scripture of being under your authority? And I think we'll all understand someday when we go to heaven and we are under authority there. And how are we to say that I can't be under my authorities here on this earth, but I can in heaven? But God does require, that is his will for us, that we would not only glorify him and not only live a pure life, a holy life, but also to be under our authorities. And then I want to go to Romans chapter 12 and read verse 2. To know the will of God, we have to change our thinking. How our think, thought process, how we think things through. It says, uh, Romans 12, verse 2, it says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And I think as I am going through some now of thinking, you know, that God has a perfect 
will of God. And he's asking us here to renew our minds or to have a new way of thinking. And he says that ye might prove. And so you test. You test the, the will of God. You test his, his uh, whole structure that he has. And you come to the realization after we have transformed our mind, we start seeing things differently. You know, we, we start loving our neighbors, loving our enemies. We start pursuing things of life hereafter. We start how we relate to our authorities and so on and how we glorify God all comes because of our changed mind and we start testing and proving that God is true. In this perfect will of God, which we know that once we start thinking and sorting things out, you're going to find it perfect. God has not listed everything in scripture that we should not do, but rather we meditate of his word. And I, I wish that it could be that way. That this is where, I, this is how I want you to live your life. I don't want you to go to, to Goshen. I don't want you to go to, you know, I wish, I wish we could just pick up the scripture and says, you know, I want you to go to Haiti. And, but he doesn't. And he doesn't tell us who to marry. He doesn't tell us who, um, yeah, our future. And Owen and I are looking at the future beyond um, our service. But I wish he could just tell us, this is what I want you to do. But God doesn't work that way. But in his scripture, he has some guide, guidance of how we are to, to uh, make choices, how we are to live our life. You know, and when he, sometimes we get bogged down in, in this thought process, you know, you look at the verse, abstain from all appearance of evil. You know, we start thinking, well, this is evil and this is not evil and, and so on, and we get bogged down maybe with that. But instead of thinking, is this a right or a wrong decision, I think all of us need to look at it says, will God be glorified in this? Will God be glorified in the person that I marry? Will God be glorified in the clothes I wear? Will God be glorified walking into this establishment? And I think if we view that and think of purity and holiness and separation, I think we can make a good choice in that. We don't have to be told. I like what George Mueller wrote, quote. Uh, George Mueller, would have been, most of us know, he operated orphanages in England, and he's the one that would, didn't tell any needs to anybody. He just prayed. And God just kept blessing in his orphanage. But he said, 
I seek at the beginning to get my heart into such a state that it has no will of its own. Doing what God said not to do is doing my will. And that's quite a, quite a statement. And to get my will into such a state that it has no will, or to get my heart in such a state that it has no will. You know, we, we work with our children to redirect their wills. You know, some are hard and some are, are uh, easy, and you know how it is raising a child. But we use discipline measures to help them direct our wills their will, but then I wonder if us as adults have the same problem. We're just strong-willed. You know, we want to do what I like. I want to fulfill my desires. I don't see anything wrong with this, and so on. But doing God's will, I think if we look at the whole structure of Scripture, we're going to I'm going to bring out three things, I think, that are some guidelines on how we, that is taught in Scripture. And the first one is the area of conduct. There are guidelines on how we should conduct ourselves. Um, do we consider God's will in everything that happens in our life? You know, all of us probably say, well, no. You know, we, we make choices throughout the day that we don't say, well, is this God's will? But in, in light of scripture, does our conscience bother us when we start doing and making choices? Maybe we make choices and we see maybe it wasn't the best and, and we can learn from that. But, you know, like I said, the places we go, what we do with our spare time, our speech, which we shall be judged by, clothes we purchase, cars, houses, and the jobs we work at, um, the person we marry, and so on, do we consider God's will in all that? So in other words, I take the scripture and I base my decision on that. In making choices, ask yourself if this will glorify God or yourself. Will God approve of this choice? And I don't know if you uh, think about it, but when a, when you make a choice of clothes, you like you put it on and you stand in front of a mirror and you say, "Do you like it?" Not too many of us look at the mirror and say, "Will God be glorified in this new dress or new shirt?" And most of the time, you know, he, he can. But there are some times where modesty steps in, you know, where this may draw attention to yourself and not to God. And so we put it back on the rack. <clears throat> the second thing, he has his doctrines written for us to believe. So our belief should be cemented on the word. We, we believe that God is God. We believe that Christ is his son. We believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And we believe 
that there's life hereafter, and it's all based on his word. And we also, his way is known in providential dealings in our lives. And I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but when things happen into your life, God may have a hand in that. And sometimes it's through humbling you. Sometimes it's to get your attention. Sometimes it's to... It's, well, all the time it's for your good. So look at the, the providential dealings in your life. You know, sickness, uh, having a car wreck, or someone dies. You know, is, is God in all this? He is. And we know he is because of the scripture. Psalms 18.30 says, his way is perfect. Psalms 145.17, all his ways are righteous. That's why we can say, we can trust God that your will will be done. And that's why we can pray, Father, thy will be done. So in light of all that, and knowing what God's will is in our lives, there's also a question is, what is God's will for us as a church? Um, you know, we talked about, or we're planning next weekend to ordain a deacon. So what is God's will in all this? Who is the one that God will, will choose? And we say, Lord, thy will be done. And I think you can go back to what I said earlier here in choosing who you want to put down on the paper. And it's already been discussed, so I won't elaborate a lot on it. But in, in light of the scripture, we look at the qualification that Timothy brings out, Paul brings out there to Timothy. You know, is the person that's on your mind qualified in that way? You know, I think we often pray for the brother that will be chosen, but I think that we should pray for us as a church in choosing the man. I think the conditions of our heart is going to determine who we choose. And I want to elaborate a little bit on that. If our heart is seeking after Christ, then we're going to choose a man who is seeking after Christ. That's that's because that's where we are. However, if our hearts are distracted with material things, then I think a man that we choose is going to be toward that. You know, someone that has a successful business, someone that is well-to-do financially, and so on. And we're going to be drawn to that person. We say, well, he's successful here, he can be successful here. And we don't look at, is this really God's will? And then another area, I think we, if we aren't serious about our Christian walk, you know, our, our coming together and so on is just a time of enjoyment and fellowship and so on, then we're going to choose someone who's fun, who's popular, who we get along easy with, because we hope that church can be that way 
So what kind of a person are you looking for? Maybe you don't know. I have a couple steps here in determining who we should put in. Is not what you think. Well, I got ahead of myself there in my notes. First step is prayer. I think we need to pray that his will be done here at church. And I also pray for wisdom. Pray that God will reveal someone into your mind. And then pray God's will will be done. And whether you put an amen or not, you still pray for that will to be done. And I think as we pray that, you know, we're saying, Lord, the person that is put in, I'll accept. And I will know that it is your will for us. And that's kind of why I like um, lots. <laughs> I, I just, of course, I went through with a lot, but I just feel like it cements in your mind that God chose you. And it gave me reassurance in my time throughout the last few years. And then I think we need to check our motives. What is our motive in putting this person in? Are we thinking that he's going to change the church? Are we thinking that he's going to lighten things up? Are we thinking that he's going, he thinks like I do, and so I want to put his name in? But check your motives. Is it based on qualifications, or is it based on what we want, our will? And it may be that you'll pray and think of qualifications. A name will come to you, and you'll put it in, and it has in the past for me. I've been through a lot of ordinations. Not in them, but I've been through them. And I have put names in, and, and later I see their life, where they're at, and I say, well, the Lord was wise and not put him in. But then on the other hand, I seen guys get in. God chose them, and they did not turn out very well. So thy will be done is really what we need to pray. And I don't think we need to say, well, that was a huge mistake by God by choosing that man. But remember, God chooses the man that you put in. And I think he can use them. Then when the man is chosen, I think the accept that God has shown who he wants to carry on the role as a deacon. Sometimes we don't like change. We get nervous when someone else comes in. His gifts will bring a new style. He will have a different approach. He will think things through differently than what Owen did. His way of relating to people will be different. But it's okay. What is really the goal of, the, of an ordination? We put someone in to lead. So if we put someone in that's going to push as to 
to persuade my way of thinking, then you're going to have a lot of people leave because they don't agree with your way of thinking. But if our goal is to serve God and the people, it doesn't matter. I mean, some gifts are better at it than others, but the person you put on continues the role that Owen has served for the last 20 years. He will continue on, and Owen continued on from the person before him. And I think the one that's ordained is going to continue here on. It's not about who is selected, but how God will work through him.